This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Fakalofalahi Atu and welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dean Halatau and today I'm joined by Iliseva Batipasanga. Bula Dean and Bula to all our listeners. We've got plenty to get through tonight. We'll be joined by Namani Nandolo for You Can Ask That. We'll tackle pitch invaders. Also, we'll get an update from Patricia Kiamo about cricket in PNG. But first up, how was your week, Dean? Week's been really good. Last night was Origin and I turned into a little bit of a fanboy at Origin because, Ooh, and we yeah. spoke about this last week, 660 played as the um, the lead up act or the, the intro act to the to the game. And uh, so I, I had to be there f- for work, of course. Of course. Uh, <laughs> I took my daughter with me and her friends. So they, they love going to the footy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I sat sideline and watched, was lucky enough to sit sideline and watch her performance. And then I chased them up the tunnel to their change rooms to Fan get a photo. Fanboy yeah. alert. <laughs> it was, um, I, and I got super awkward. Like I was, I tried to be cool. Played. I thought, oh, these guys are cool. I'm trying to be cool, but I was anything but. Uh, and then got a photo and I felt like I was interrupting their post-performance sort of like celebration. So yep. I, I got even more awkward trying to hurry up and get out of there as well. <laughs> but there was another guy that I know who was doing some work um, for them like with some cinematography and stuff. He's a good guy, um, Tom Meredith, and uh, he wanted to get a photo as well. So he's lined up to get his photo with them and he, I would get a photo of them, sorry, for some of the work he was doing and he couldn't get the camera to work. So they're holding that. You know when you hold a pose and the cameras don't work? They're just holding this pose for like 30 or 40 seconds and he can't get the camera to work. The awkward touching moment. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's, it was like just, hey, let's get the photo, let's get the photo. And, but they wore a smile the whole time and they were really like cool about it. So nice. that was that was my fun bit of the week. What about you, Ellie? What's Good been sports. Um, well, for me, been a bit slow. I had a quiet weekend, but I think you mentioned last week how you you, you went back into like the gym kind of atmosphere. Yes. Um, and for me personally, I've been searching on things to do like – where it's a little bit warmer. So I figured I might try these Pilates, Pilates in my lounge room on YouTube. Um, I found this 30-minute hit Pilates session and, boy, I was sweating. <laughs> it is hard. Pilates in the lounge room, it's a different kind of muscle group. You combine hit and Pilates. Hit like... and Pilates, yep. you got ballet arms, you got kickbacks, you got everything just with your body weight. I was dripping. You share that uh, link with me and I may try it. Yeah, great, great. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into the sport and uh, NRL from last night, as I mentioned. Origin Game 3, It was uh, the series was done. The the Queensland uh, Maroons had won the series by getting the victory up in Brisbane in Game 2. But Game 3, a lot of pride on the line for New South Wales, and and they did a great job. I've got to be honest. It was um, a bigger crowd than probably what people expected, 75,000-odd that were there. And um, New South Wales really came in with good intentions, and from the get-go, uh, it was uh, it was all blues. I've got to say. I, I know the scoreline wasn't. It didn't really get away from the Maroons, but the Blues are in control for for most of the match. Um, in particular, their debutants are really good and returning players. I thought Cody Walker was outstanding. Uh, Bradman Best in his first game uh, in a Blues jersey, which was there's a fair bit of criticism around that selection, but um, he um, you know he warranted it by playing really strong two tries as well. But Brian Tottle on the right side, always um, someone to watch. And he had a huge game in terms of his effort and meters and all the work he does, but he also got himself a try. Centre field left it goes. Murray to Walker. Cut out ball. Best. Set away to Adokar. Down the left edge. He beats Brimson. Still going Adokar. Across comes Cherry Evans. The pass back to Bradman Best. 
and he's cut down only five metres out. That's that left side Louis talking about. On the last, it comes to the right. Murray to Moses, and then a tip on. Colin Matungi to Crichton, to Brian Cole. He pins the ears back, and he dives over to score in the corner. Brian Toll, he gets one back for the Blues. What did you think of the game, really? That was slick. That was slick. Yeah. And that crowd sounded amazing. I'm glad the boys could put on a show a home for the home crowd. Yeah. And Brian Toll actually lost his headgear early in the game. I don't know what happened, but I think he got tackled and maybe the strap broke because he's been wearing his headgear for a little while now. And um, the locks were out after that. And there was a couple of good images floating around. Actually, one on ABC Sport Instagram of Brian Toll. He's in contact and there's sweat flying off his hair. But he was um, when he was going through the air for that try, the hair was up and um, he had another strong game, like I said. So it was exciting way to finish the series and uh you know it was the atmosphere was really good out of the yeah. ground as well um didn't know what to expect with it being um the series gone and, and a dead rubber as they call it but uh, really enjoyable match and great to be out there yeah great now the cba ongoing uh, at the moment obviously last week players association announced they were going to boycott media on um game days uh, so from thursday through to sunday and also yesterday for um for the origin they won't be doing any pre-match um, during the match interviews or halftime interviews, post-match interviews, which is um, obviously for, for media outlets, it's really, um, really big um, content that they love. But um, unfortunately, there's no update at the moment. They want it, We want to get this done as soon as possible for both parties, the NRL, where I work, and yep. the Players Association, where I used to be a uh, member. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's ongoing at the moment. And um, yeah, the sooner that this can get resolved, the better, obviously. Yeah, it's been a bit quiet on socials, to be honest. Like I've got to watch Paul Vaughan, Paul Vaughan sorry, and... Um, <laughs> Yeah, Wayne Bennett talked to each other and it's, yeah, boring. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was an awkward interview I seen yeah. last week. It was um, like Wayne Bennett, a bit of a bit of a weird cat, but like one of the greats of, of rugby league. And um, yeah, Paul was trying to get him get him going with some um, some chat and Wayne gave him nothing. <laughs> gave him nothing. Crickets. <laughs> As usual. Absolute crickets. Um, and a big shout out to Kennedy Cherrington, who has just been announced as co-captain of the Eels, along with Rachel Pearson. And of course... Tiana Penatani is the Sharks' inaugural NRLW captain. Yes. Well done, girls. Well done to both. ABC family, uh, both those girls. And um, yeah, great players. Uh, came off the back of New South Wales series. But, like, they obviously played with New South Wales in the state of origin. And uh, Kennedy in particular, young captain. Obviously, um, she's had a great couple of seasons. She was one of their best last year. And um, she she's continuing to be a force on the field but, um, and for the Parramatta Eels and uh, at state level as well. So can't wait to see her as a skipper take on that leadership responsibility. Really happy for both those girls. Yeah, strong head on her shoulders. Um, can't wait for the season up ahead. Uh, now Cricket PNG are gearing up to host the East Asia Pacific T20 World Cup qualifier and we'll hear from Patricia Kiamo later in Island Life um, about how the preparations are looking in PNG. Very exciting for, for cricket and for PNG. For sure. Over to Rugby Union and Manu Samoa have called upon Ukrainians to give them the extra edge in preparations for the up-and-coming World Cup. Um, they've introduced altitude training into their program. Have you ever done this? Yes, I have, actually. And this is not altitude. Like, I've done it in a chamber and also um, the, a similar way to watch, uh, to what Manu Samoa are doing. Yep. Um, so they're using like a a mask and it's connected to like a canister that um, turns like gives them a hypoxic 
um, sort of feeling, re- like it replicates being in altitude, which is like, pretty cool. Yeah, I just have to walk upstairs and it gives me that same feeling. <laughs> so it's, it is quite like I remember doing it and, and our, the one that we used was um, when I was at the Tigers and I'm going back like over 10 years ago now and we had these masks that were connected to these canisters yep. and you could add a canister the better you got at, um, at doing it and we'd sit on an exercise bike. So you do really sort of low-level stuff using these, um, these chambers or these, these canisters and you just keep adding the better you got and your intensity would go up as well. So it was quite uncomfortable yeah. and you got really hot, really sweaty, really quick. Um, and obviously the, the breathing element of it was, was quite difficult, but with the aim of increasing your, your capacity. Yeah, for sure. And luckily the World Anti-Doping Association have approved this and the proof is in the in the bag or the canister as, <laughs> as we can see because after a phase of this training for about 12 days, um, the boys of Manu Pacific, uh, sorry, Manu Samoa were more efficient on the field and they were able to recover a lot quicker. So all the best for the rest of Pool D at the World Cup because Manu Samoa are coming for you. They're, they're preparing hard. Yes. And there has been movement in the Moana Pacifica camp following this year's Super Rugby Pacific season. Fijian wrecking ball, Timothy Tavatavanawai has signed a two-year contract for the Highlanders starting in 2024. Now, the 25-year-old winger will leave a massive hole in the Manu squad, but also makes way for the next gen of Pacifica talent coming through. Yeah, it's, just, it's like a, a tricky one. It's great to see, um, obviously, bigger franchises recognising the talent that's coming out of Moana Pacifica and, and mm. um, you know, I, like I said, identifying that and, and taking them into their own system. But then you're also cannibalising a bit the, um, you know, the, the squad that you've got. Which is uh, which is difficult, uh, but like to your point, there's an opportunity that that's created for for younger players to come through. Yeah, here, here, I'm here for it. Now, in the coaching ranks, the um, ever impressive Tana Umanga has been unveiled as the new head coach for Mana Pacifica, signing a three year contract from 2024 to 2026. Um, now, here's what the appointment of the head coach meant to Tana and his Ainga. Oh, it's huge. Um, you know, um, as we've talked a lot of. A lot of times about this KT in terms of you know who we are as people and who we represent, um, the sacrifices that um, our our parents and and ancestors have made for us to live the life that we live, um, and an ability to to repay that and go back and, and help those who are on their um, you know their rugby journey. You know, look, I've I've got a lot through the game um, and still do and. Uh, the ability to give back to, to those players, you know, the future players of Manusaha Moore and the Kalitahi um, and all the Pacific Nations, you know, is exciting and we want to keep that strong. So um, I, I think, you know, this position that I've been given, um, you know, I, I realise it comes with uh, a, a lot of, um, you know, the pressures and expectations, but, you know, uh, we wouldn't be in this game if uh, we didn't, we didn't, uh, didn't love pressure and expectation. Yeah, sounds like uh, Tana Tana has a wealth of experience as we all as we both know, and it sounds like he's primed for his next chapter. Well, we talk about players leaving Moana um, Pacifica to take up other opportunities. This is a massive in for them in, in terms of their coach um, Tana Rumanga, who we all know is a legend of the All Blacks jersey, and I, I grew up watching him play. Uh, and I, I got to say, he was a leaguey back in the day too, so that <laughs> I, I softened a bit to that. But um, can't wait to see what he does with the squad. Yeah, for sure. Um, and in the women's game, Fijiana Drua players, Bitila Tawake and Jade Coates will inject some Fijiana Marama power into the Wakato side 
um, in the Farah Palmer Cup competition this year. Nadine, no doubt this will only add to their preparations for the Super W 2024. Again, players moving into like the Farah Palmer Cup to, to bring that experience that they've already had playing Super W, but then uh, like the flip side of that is, is their preparation is, is increased as, as they approach that next year. So great news. Great news. And Batilla and Jade will play their first Farah Palmer Cup match against Volcanics this Saturday. Up next, it's Talanoa time. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? And this week for Talanoa time, we're joined by the larger than life, and I'm not talking about his head, I'm talking about his heart, Namani Nandolo. Bula Brass, how are you? Bula, Bula, I'm good. Thanks for having me. No, it's good. Um, wonderful day, and uh, yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Now, you've just recently retired from professional sport. Tell us a bit about yourself and your rugby journey. Yeah, where do I start? It's been a crazy one. Um, it's been a blessed one, um, more so. I've been blessed to have uh, played in some of the, you know, competi- some of the biggest competitions in, uh, you know, in the world. And I guess uh, in saying that, I've, I've played with a lot, you know, alongside some of the greats in the game. So. No, I've, I've really enjoyed my time, and um, it's definitely not what I envisioned uh, growing up. But um, yeah, no, I'm I'm just yeah, I, I haven't had a chance really to look back on it. Um, but you know, I'm sure one day when I sit down, I'll have a look back and you know watch some some of those highlights. And uh, yeah, but I've been really um, really blessed. Namani, you mentioned uh, it's not what you envisioned uh, while you were growing up, but can you take us back uh, to, to growing up, where you're from? And um, I, I guess being Fijian, rugby, uh, no doubt, was something that, that was always around. Can you tell us a little about your childhood and uh, how you sort of moved into the world of rugby? Um, yeah, so I, I grew up uh, up in Queensland um, in, in, uh, in a suburb called uh, Goodna, um, which is just uh, in Ipswich. And I think you know, over there it was always it was all league. Um, you know, funny. I always keep saying to people when they ask me if I've ever played league. I, I never really played league. I played one year of league, and then it was all union. But um, as Ilya would know, in our family, rugby is in our blood. Um, and you know, it was. Uh, I remember my grandfather before he passed on. He said to all of us kids, um, he said, "There's two ways you're going to go in life. Either you're going to be a, you're going to go to university, or you're going to." Um, play rugby um and you know funny enough I, I wasn't good in school and I followed the game rugby crack so um yeah I, I grew up playing you know the junior rugby's and stuff but in saying that growing up in Australia you know obviously you want to um grow up playing for your state and for your country and stuff and I, I didn't really get that opportunity and um you know I um yeah, this is what I'm saying. My rugby career um, is different, and it, it's like I said, it's it's how I envi- it's not how I envisioned it. Um, but you know, um, that's it's funny how life works. Yeah, and like uh, for me, speaking on a personal level, like I've watched your career and I've watched you evolve from like a young boy kicking around in the in the backyard to to stadiums, packed out stadiums across the world, and. Your career is ever impressive, and I can tell you now, like you know, everyone is so so proud of you back at home. Um, but like you said, you've come back 
to the Waratahs after a few years. You've played a fair bit in the Northern and Southern Hemisphere competitions. Can you tell us a bit about what are the differences between playing Northern and Southern Hemisphere footy? Um, first and foremost, the atmosphere. I think um, in Europe, you know, it's in France and England, uh, they're really passionate um, about their rugby. Obviously, you know, it's a bigger scale over there, I think, and, you know, the um, probably rugby isn't where it wants to be here at the moment, but um, I, um, you know, one thing I've, but, I, you know, rugby's going to you know, hopefully get better. Obviously, you've got the World Cup and, and the Lions tour here in Australia, but the one thing I really enjoyed about playing um, in Europe was the fact that, you know, you, you get up and there's, there's a lot of, you know, they just love their rugby. Um, thankfully, when I was living in France, we used to get abused a lot, but it was in French, so I didn't really <laughs> know too much about the language. Um, I picked it up a little bit towards the end, but, yeah, the, you know, the, the contact, it's, look, it's different. People always try and compare Southern Hemisphere to the Northern Hemisphere, but I just think they they play their own style of rugby, um, and, and you can't really compare the two. Um, but if I was to pick something out, it would be the atmosphere. Money, what about you managed to play such a long time and being able to play um, across different continents uh, the, up in the Northern Hemisphere and down, down here in the Southern Hemisphere? You must have been um, pretty diligent with how you looked after yourself. Like to, to be able to play um, to the age of 35, like at senior level, um, you know, did you, did you work hard on, on your body, work, looking after your injuries and preparing for, for games? Yeah, I was fortunate enough. Um, not to, to pick up major injuries. Obviously, besides your soft tissue injuries, I, I was probably blessed in that sense. I Probably the back end of my career, which probably be the last two years, I probably had a little scrape out in my knee and stuff, but I was probably blessed in that sense. I didn't really have too many major injuries. But in saying that, I was always, um, you know, I'm a big guy, so I'm probably one of the biggest backs in world rugby when I was playing. So I, I always made sure that, you know, because I always had this mentality when people, I've always been told that, look, you're not going to be good enough. So I think that sort of took care of itself in terms of it, um, it woke up something in me where I was just like, well, I'm going to work as hard as I can for as long as I can. Um, and, you know, whether that was stretching or, or, or my extras, I was big on extras. Um, because, as you know, I'm big and got a low metabolism, so I'm always <laughs> trying to to um, keep up. But, you know, I always I think that it always starts, like, with having confidence in yourself. And I think once I found that, it wasn't until I moved to New Zealand when I found that it was, um, you know, everything sort of took care of itself. But, you know, all that stuff comes into play. But I think it, it starts with a bit of self-belief as well. Um, I know it's different, but that's how I thought about it. And, you know, it's obvious, that's what made me play was it 15 odd years, 14, 15 odd years? You were chatting with Namani Nondolo, recently retired Fijian wrecking ball. Um, you're listening to Can You Be More Pacific on Radio Australia, ABC Sport Digital. NEMS, now you have just recently retired and you've just spoken about how you were able to upkeep your body for so, so long. Um, how's the transition been from professional sport to club rugby in Western Sydney, Parramatta Zubaloos? No, it's been great. Um, you know, one thing I've, I really, and, and I'm sort of, I guess, proud of myself in doing this. I, I kind of knew that the end was close, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, I don't think this gets talked about a lot, but, um, you know, I find a lot of guys, um, 
when you retire, you probably don't all, you know, you don't set yourself up. Or you don't. What I mean, set yourself up. I mean, don't organise yourself, sort of thing. I, I knew that I wanted to finish at 35, so um, I'd been planning for retirement for for 24 months, close to two years. So when I was in England, I knew kind of what I wanted to do and and how I wanted to do it. So I started jobbing, you know, things down and and how I wanted to go ahead in life and you know thankfully it worked out well um i'm still playing a bit of club rugby now and look it, it, it is tough i do miss i guess the going into training getting a bit of time off and you know here and there you get to go for a coffee now i'm in a nine to five and um going to training on tuesday thursday nights that's probably the one that's killing me the most <laughs> is going training tuesday thursday nights and uh, we're training on Deal two out of West Sydney at at a Parramatta and yeah it's not good on the old knees but um, you know I'm I'm really enjoying retirement I think um, my 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 mentally I was ready to sort of move on um, you know I look back I always say to myself if you can do if you can achieve everything you want to achieve um, personally then I think you know you, you can you know it should it, life would be a little bit easier but um, I would have loved to played, uh, you know, I would have loved to won more trophies and stuff, but, you know, I didn't base my career on that. I based my career on being the best player I can be in every competition I played in. And, you know, that was, um, I look back on it now, and since I've walked away from the game and I'm playing club rugby, don't get me wrong, I'm still playing a bit of club rugby and I'm still competitive. Um, but, I, look, I'm enjoying that transitioning going from work to, to club rugby, you know, Tuesday, Thursday nights, and it's only I only have to look at those guys that I train with on Tuesday and Thursday nights. They're labourers, they're going out and working, and it sort of makes you realise, man, you've had it good. If that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm I like to look at things um, from perspectives, um, regardless of whether it's big or small. There's some really good philosophies there, some good lessons for anyone playing sport um, at an elite level. The, the the time will come where you have to hang the boots up, and I think the way that you've approached it is um, is, is really uh, a good way to approach it. Um, so uh, I really love your your way you think about that and preparing for life after sport. Not everyone gets a uh, the decision in their hands; they, they often get the tap on the shoulder when time's up. And if you're preparing before that, then you, you're well on your way to life after footy. What is that uh, that you're doing at the moment? What's what's what is work um, post football? I'm in the, um, funny enough, I'm in the trucking uh, industry, yep. so, um, you know, I've got a few trucks, but I'm also doing, I'm learning the, the industry at the moment, I'm working for a company called NJ Ashton, which is out of West Sydney, um, you know, which works hand in hand with playing club rugby, and, you know, I'm doing a little bit of compliance, I'm learning a bit of that, you know, a bit of the insurance side of things, registrations, and, you know, again, it, it, I'm really enjoying that, you know, that transition, um, thankfully, I'm, I'm not doing manual labour, uh, you know, I'm in the office, but um, no, I'm, like, like I said, bro, I'm really enjoying this time. I get to come up, you know, and I think it's best for it. it the one thing as well, like my family are sort of my wife and son. We're 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 in a we're in a regime, I guess if that makes sense. As a family, like when I was playing rugby, you'd know when uh, you guys would know when. You know, you don't know what day you're playing rugby. You don't know what your, you know, your your schedule is for the for next week or the week after. So it was kind of hard on, you know, the wife and uh, back home because she'd be like, you know, when do you get a day off? When do you not? Whereas here, it's like Monday to Friday, nine to five. Um, 
you know, and you get the weekends off. So it's kind of it's kind of done well for, I guess, my home as well, my home life. Um, you know, we've got ourselves in a bit of a routine now, and particularly with a young fella, you know, it's um, it's really good. And um, look, I know there's going to be days where it's going to be hard and, and, and whatnot. Maybe I'm just in a honeymoon stage at the moment. But, you know, I guess for me, it's just taking it each day as it comes. And, um, yeah, mate, I'm loving it. I'm genuinely loving you know, this side, being on the other side of retirement, if that makes sense. I thought I'd probably miss it a lot. I thought I'd probably be like, you know, um, missing the training. I definitely don't miss preseason. But, um, <laughs> you know, the thing is, the most important thing is like, uh, for me, it's just being grateful, I guess. And knowing, you know, like you said, I was sort of, you know, I've been blessed in that sense where I got to give up on my own terms. Um, Maybe different story hadn't hadn't it that happened, but you know what's happened has happened, and uh, yeah, I'm just literally just writing this um, you know this next life. Yeah, so so special, and I'm sure maybe after the honeymoon period, Kim might kick you out of, out of the house just, just, <laughs> just <laughs> when not. she gets sick of you. No, no, no. Yeah. But all seriousness, um, you did speak about your little man, Ethan. Um, yeah. What do you reckon he's going to be when he grows up? Um. He can be whatever he wants to be, I guess. <laughs> he's um, a solid, I, solid boy. Yeah, no, he's, um, I guess, and that's another thing too, you know, and, you know, he's, for me, he's uh, my motivation as well, I think. I know as cliche as it sounds, you know, you're family first and whatnot, but I think, um, you know, when you're, I, I'm more grateful doing what I'm doing now because of him. Um, you know, he's uh He's a headache, thank you. <laughs> I love the bits. And uh, it's funny, we were watching the State of Origin last night and I was like, oh, who do you go for? And he was like, I was like, who do you want to play for? And he was like, I want to, he wants to play for New South Wales. So, Duh, yeah. no, Ethan. I, know, but I guess as long as we're living down here, we've got no choice, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, um, it, again, retiring, like, you know, I get this, I know this sounds, it sounds a bit weird, but I get to spend more time with them now than I did playing rugby, if that makes sense. Because as you all know, rugby is such a high-pressure industry. You know, don't get me wrong, the industry I'm in now, like it is on the go and, you know, you've got to get trucks in, trucks out. But um, the one thing I, I've, I love about here is I don't have anyone telling me how crap I am or how good I am. Do you know what I mean? And that's one thing I think I, I don't miss about playing professional rugby um you know there's good there's perks don't get me wrong but there's also um some negative sides about it so um you know i'm yeah i'm just that guy just keeps me up each day and, <laughs> and keeps me moving forward fab fab just a quick one before we get on to tip on who, who's your pick for the rugby world cup fiji F- yes yeah the boys I yeah the boys oh yeah uh, fiji maybe australia second Oh yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you up to play a game we have co- we call Tip On? Just sixty seconds yep. of rapid fire questions, um, and the yep. clock will start after I yep. finish question one. Here we go. What have you been binging? Uh, Red Bull. And what is your coffee order? Uh, black. Strong. Who? Nice. Who is your most annoying teammate out of all your teams? Uh, Israel Dag. Who is your sporting hero? Uh, Lotte. What was your favourite movie as a kid? 
Uh, Home Alone 1, 2, and 3. Yes. What's something you could eat for a month straight? Uh, uh, chicken wings. Favorite place you travel to? Uh, uh, Amalfi Coast. Yes. Which teammate had their worst? Oh, sorry, best fashion sense. Charlie Gamble. Do you have a hidden talent? Yes. What is it? <laughs> um. I can uh, I can dance. Ooh. Ooh. Can you confirm this, Illy? I mean, he's got a bit of a shuffle, but let's yeah, yeah let's plan a next cousin night out and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> 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 oh, Nems, thank you so much for joining us. It was fab, fab to hear from you. Thank you so much for having me, guys, and uh, yeah, have a good day and, and stay blessed. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? It's time for our favourite part of the show, You Can Ask That, where you can ask Dean or myself any question about what it's like in the life of sport. The life of sport. I'm a former sport for myself. You're still running around <laughs> here and there. Uh, the question we've got this week comes from Greg, uh, who's in Fiji, and this is on Instagram. The, the, there was a pitch invader in the All Blacks Argentina match last week, and uh, the question is, what should be the punishment for pitch invaders? Now, this this made news um, for a reason, Illy. There was um, a pitch invader, as I just mentioned, a young, a young person running on the field got very close to the All Blacks. Uh, they were huddled up at one end of the field post-match, and uh, the captain – decided to take it into his own hands, or not the hands. His foot, Sammy yes. Kane, stuck the leg out and the young pitch invader went flying. Um, yeah, so how, how do we go about this? Is it, is it a double tackle? Is it a chop <laughs> tackle? Like what, what should the punishment be for these pitch invaders who want this five minutes of fame? Yeah, well, there is obviously um, stadium rules and this, most stadiums will put up a big, um, a big sign on the big screen saying, Pitch invaders may be um, charged with criminal offences, may be arrested, thousands of dollars fines and whatnot. That happens at every game. Nevertheless, it stops people from doing it. And I often hear that the groups of people where this this sort of starts from is, hey, man, we'll cover your fine. We'll all chip in, jump out in the field and go for a run. It'll be a great laugh. We'll get it on socials. You're going to be like, you're going to get heaps of clicks, blah, blah, blah. So it's sort of, I think it, it evolves from that. Yeah. Um, but still, if you're going to get a ban, um, if you're going to get criminal charges, and if there's going to be thousands of dollar fines, then you'd think that you wouldn't do it. But seemingly, it's not a deterrent enough. No, and like, how how big the bet does it have to be? Because for me, like, I don't I don't see it worth it. But like, I have been in the crowd, and I have heard these conversations have around me um, between these young people who want to have a bit of a crack and see if they can beat the security guard. But um, yeah, I. And it's usually fueled by a couple of bevies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Liquid courage. Um, but yeah, I do think, you know, a good hard tackle, two year ban. And um two year ban? Two year ban. Yep. Two year ban from Just the go stadium. Bang, two years. Yep, get out of here. Don't want don't want it. Ruining the game. And hey, like the the you gotta protect our players. I I don't know how they, they manage the bans because I, I know there'd be some stadiums where a person could just I don't know. Wear a disguise. If <laughs> I don't know how they keep track of so many thousands of people, how they're going to keep track of that one person's face when they're entering the gate. Like most people, just walk in and scan their ticket and walk in. So I don't know how that's policed. So a ban is like sounds bad. Yeah, 
but they may just go to other venues and watch games anyway. And who, who's to know if if they if they pop up? Now this happened at Origin last night. There was two that I think made it onto the field and one that didn't. Um, mm. Some young men thought they'd uh, get there five minutes or five seconds of fame. <laughs> they jumped the fence around. Out security guards were pretty quick to get to them, but they did a couple of them did get quite far onto the field, so they were on the field to play. Um, the second one was really close to where the play was actually occurring. And it was all down my end of the field. So I was down the end with all the troublemakers uh, where I was sitting watching the game. Um, one guy got across the fence but didn't make it past the advertising around the field. And he got he got swallowed up pretty quickly. Now the, the police caught up to him and he he tried wrestling the police. So he was obviously in the wrong. He, he was, from what I could tell, he was pretty pretty intoxicated. Um, and then the, the police had to wrestle him to the ground um, right near the uh, the tunnel to go out. So... Not a great look. It's no. it disrupts it disrupts the flow of play. This happened earlier in the year. Warriors, Broncos, and Napier. I think there was like twelve or something, like some ridiculous number of people that got in the and and the game just kept stopping. And it's not enjoyable when that happens. Oh, that's annoying. That's annoying. And again, yeah. liquid courage will get you nowhere. So we're going to say big fines, yes, um, bans from venues for extended periods is is the is the uh, benchmark. I think so. And tackle sessions for security guards. How, how many tackle sessions? <laughs> how much is a fine that's enough to, like, if so, if you go to the football with, say, I don't know, a group of five or six people, how are you going to, because you're going to hurt the group. You're going to hurt the group by saying, we're going to, the fine's going to be big enough that they don't think, yeah, hey, I can just throw a few hundred away. No, nah, you got to, you, you're talking grands here. Yeah. I reckon a grand each. So if, like, it's five, five and a half. Six? It's five and a half, five and a half at, at um, Homebush. Yep. It was on the big screen last night, but that didn't Ooh. stop people. Maybe we make it 10. Nice round figure, 10. 10 it is. Yeah. And you don't say up to $10,000 when you, t- you just say you will be fined $10,000 if you come on the field. Straight up. 10 yeah. grand. All right. Two-year ban, you're out. If you've got a question, you can send it to us on Instagram. Uh, I am at Dean Hulletow and Illy is at Illy Sever B. Thank you. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. Woo! You're with Illy Seva and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Stick around. We'll spotlight our favourite socials. But up next, Patricia Kiyama from PNG has a report about the upcoming T20 World Cup qualifiers. Time for Island Life. We head over to PNG and we hear from our reporter on the ground, Patricia Kiyama. This is Patricia Kiamo speaking to Dean in another edition of Can You Be More Pacific? Now, Papua New Guinea is gearing up for the East Asia Pacific qualifiers for a spot at the 2024 T20 Cricket World Cup that's scheduled for June next year to be co-hosted by West Indies and the United States. With less than 10 days before the tournament kicks off at Port Moresby Zamini Park from July 22nd to 29th, the men's national cricket team, PNG Baramandis, are waiting to find out who would make the final 15-man squad for the tournament, where they will compete against Japan, Philippines, and Vanuatu, with the winner to represent the region at the World Cup. While the team is preparing for the tournament, the country's national federation, Cricket Papua New Guinea, has been hard at work with preparations on ground to ensure everything meets the standard of the International Cricket Council. Coming off their maiden appearance at the T20 World Cup in Oman in November 2021, the Baramandis have regularly competed at international meets including ODIs, Cricket World Cup Series and other tournaments in the region. 
PNG's captain Asad Vala recalled the 2019 qualifiers in UAE where they won five out of six matches to qualify for their first ever World Cup. Vala said it was a nervous moment for them as they had finished their fixtures and their qualification would depend on the final match between Scotland and Netherlands. It was a roller coaster. We, we just couldn't bear with the game uh, we, because when, Nether- uh, when Scotland scored that that many runs, the uh, Netherlands had to pass the score in 12 or 13 overs. So we weren't we weren't worried about the we weren't worried about Netherlands um, winning the match or anything. But we were just hoping that you know they couldn't pass the score in the 12th over or 13th over. So if it, the result was uh, like that, then we knew that we were gonna make it to the World Cup. So it was a different. You know, it's it's really hard when it's out of your hands. Vala said after losing their ODI status and retaining from Namibia early this year, the team spoke about what their former head coach, Joe Dawes, said to them about making regular appearances at the World Cup. This is the goal the team has set their sights on and hope to achieve in the tournament next week. We don't want to be a team that only goes to one World Cup, but we, we want to go to more World Cups. So this is an opportunity for us to go to another one and it, it all starts today. So we, we've been working really hard on our fitness SNC over the last six to eight weeks. We don't get the opportunity, a lot of opportunities to play in front of our families and fans. Uh, we play a lot of our games away from home. Uh, we had the opportunity to play in the last two, uh, I think late last year against USA and Namibia. It was, I think it was the last international, first international match in a long time. So uh, we're looking forward to playing in front of our fans. Meanwhile, the PNG head coach John Ovia said the squad for the qualifiers would be a good mixture of young and experienced, especially with a few of the academy players showing great form over the last couple of months. We have four guys who are pushing for inclusion in the uh, Barman team. Those four guys are outside of the current Barman contract. So those four guys went to the, the Fiji trip, which, which they, they won the competition. We have a leg spinner, a fast bowler, a left arm off spin, and one wicket keeper. So those four guys are pushing our current uh, Barramundi players, it's, it's good to have the competition in them. So the current Barramundi uh, are pushing themselves as well because when these guys are in the team, they are not guaranteed to play AP qualifying. They have to make their mark or play well, train well to be selected. Now, this tournament is not only the biggest ICC event PNG has ever hosted, but it's also the first time for the country to host a T20 direct qualifier. From fixing the cricket grounds to ensuring the best hospitality is provided for the visiting teams, Cricket PNG staff headed by tournament director Lakani Oala have covered all aspects. We are trying to meet the ICC required standards in preparing the, the whole facet of the ground, so scoreboards, uh, the uh, uh, side screens and all that, they have to be done up in a, in a way that meets uh, the international cricket standards. So, oh, otherwise, all the preparations are good. Uh, uh, it got sentimental value because uh, we are the leading country in the East Asia Pacific and to host a game uh, of this uh, caliber you know, is, uh, is really important because that uh, leaves the uh, 
the image of, of our cricket here, the facilities, the ICC recognized them. With PNG ranked at 21 in the recent ICC T20 rankings, this puts them above their opponents who are ranked at least 20 to 40 spots behind them. While they have the advantage of playing on home soil in front of their families and fans, the pressure of delivering results and qualifying for another World Cup is surely mounting. Four teams, a week-long tournament and only one ticket to the big dance. We'll see how that pans out next week. Over to you, Dean. Thanks, Patricia. It was uh, great to hear that. Uh, one, they're hosting uh, an international cricket event in the lead up to a World Cup or as a World Cup qualifier and um, that uh, they're doing all they can to make sure PNG cricket is ready to go for it. Yeah, excited for Cricket PNG and excited for the crowd, the home crowd for, for Cricket PNG to, to experience some of the atmosphere that the boys will hopefully bring into the up and coming World Cup. Yes, the Barramundis go well. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Now, in the absence of Sarah, we're keeping up her favourite segment, which is keeping it social. I actually found a goodie this week um, from the Black Ferns where they discuss the evolution of the chicken or the egg. Let's take a listen. Well, how did the chicken come without the egg? I don't know, but then how did the egg come without the chicken? I, <laughs> I feel like there was like a genetic mutation. <laughs> and that made a chicken. I believe the chicken. And I think the chicken came first. Uh, chicken. <laughs> the T-Rex. No. The egg and the chicken. It's both yummy. Me uh, chicken or the egg? egg? Are you sure? How about if it's an eggless chicken? What? <laughs> Came first in the what? The race? That's really tricky. <laughs> Came first in the what? In life. Chicken. The chicken. The egg or chicken. The chicken. Where the egg come from? You could keep going and going though. What is the meaning of life? <laughs> could be the egg. Did it first? comes out chicken, then it could be chicken because the egg comes out. And what's the egg going to come out of? The chicken. chicken. I think the chicken came first. Look, let's that just... That is awesome. <laughs> Thankfully, the black ferns are great at rugby because evolution and science, not their strong point. Do you have the answer? Well, that is up for debate. It's up for debate. Yeah, look, as as Tanya Kulunvale said, they're both yummy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll settle on that. <laughs> now, I went to uh, the Canberra Raiders Instagram, and this this happened in last week was um, there was try celebrations actually through the whole month of July. There's try celebrations, and a betting agency which we won't mention is donating money um, to the Daniel Anderson um, Foundation, which is uh, Daniel's unfortunately suffered an injury where he's a quadriplegic. Nathan Stapleton as well is also collecting funds from this as well. He's um, suffered an injury playing rugby league and is, is uh, rugby union, I should say, and is a quadriplegic. So great initiative. Anyway, get back to the, the Raiders scoring their try and their celebration uh, was uh, paying homage to something that happened in the Ashes, which everyone's familiar with. Johnny Bairstow in the Ashes against the Australian team was stumped by uh, Carey, their wiki keeper, the Aussies wiki keeper, and a lot of conjecture around him being outside the crease and play being the ball being dead. But anyway, made huge headlines last week and the Raiders thought they'd take the mickey of it and do it themselves, which was pretty funny. Jordan Rappenau scored a try. He bowled the ball, and funnily enough, Elliot Whitehead, who's a pom, um, yeah, he got he got stumped. Yes, stumped in the ribs there, just a, a quick jab. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was enjoyable to watch, and I wonder how long it took for them to um, to do that at training. Well, it was only practice. it was only a couple of days after the actual event, so they they must have just went, hey, let's let's do this straight away. Like, someone's very creative amongst the group. <laughs>
Nice one, boys. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Really, lots coming up again this week and in sport, and it starts with rugby. Starts with rugby and a quick review of our Pack 4 results from last week. The Wallaroos made a statement after last week's thrashing, beating the USA Eagles 58 points to 17. Player of the match, Eva Kapani scored a double in scorching conditions, um, 30 degrees, and the AstroTurf was on fire with Ivania Wong slick on the edge as always. And our Sarah was impressive in the second half, proving herself to be a pest in the Eagles lineup, disrupting um, their, their ball and enabling the Wallaroos to score in the corner. Now, Sarah the Pest Naguama. I think it sticks. What do you reckon? Yeah, that is going to stick. <laughs> now, that win secures the Wallaroos their position in the World 15-1 tournament in New Zealand later this year. In the second game, Black Ferns versus Canada. Now, I'm not sure um, New Zealand will be satisfied with their, their performance in this one because a lot of ill-discipline and handling errors, but the Ferns absorbed the Canadian contest for the majority of the game and it was a real team performance to pull it off in the last 20 minutes to secure them 52 points over Canada's 20. Um, but yeah, up next in the tournament, we have in the current, according to the current world rankings, fifth place Wallaroos will take on fourth place Canada. The Wallaroos needing to bring the heat for this one because the Maple Leafs did not make it easy for the Ferns. Um, and seventh place USA will take on second place New Zealand and the Black Ferns looking to make it a clean sweep um, and take out the, cor- the tournament undefeated. Well under the Wallaroos. Good bounce back after a heavy defeat um, mm. to the Black Ferns that you mentioned and uh, getting 58 points against USA. Tough one against Canada. It was tough. Um, and he's, he's hoping the girls all the best of luck. In the men's internationals, the brave, brave blossoms of Japan fell to the All Blacks. All Blacks 15, 38 points to six, um, with a number of AB15s showing that Ian Foster that they are ready for the crack at the World Cup. Um, World Cup squad. So hopefully, fingers crossed, they can enter that. But this week we have Tonga hosting Australia A tomorrow night. Now, this should be a cracker. And as if Tonga didn't need another reason to celebrate this month, one, this game is a part of uh, centennial celebrations for the Akalatahe beating the Wallabies um, with the team powered by Captain Sonatane Tokula, um, Izzy Falau, and debutant Pita Aki. And number two, Tongan born. Taniela Tupo will suit up for Australia A in his comeback game after recovering from a serious Achilles injury. I cannot wait to watch this one. This is going to bring a lot of attention, right? This is this is great one for the, the game itself to, to be in Tonga, but to have a guy of his stature playing. Uh, we've had him on the show before, and he talked about being in Tonga and supporting the the Wallabies. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he's such a like a, an impressive guy, so funny, um, big character, and that's going to be a lot of people out there just to see him for the – the Tupo experience. Of course. that Stay away from the carver ball <laughs> before the game, please. Um, in the rugby championship, the Wallabies went down to the spring blocker 43 to 12. Now, with the boys in gold looking clunky in their first appearance under Eddie Jones, um, the spring blocker supposed B team, a bit controversial, making a statement in front of a home crowd. Good, uh, good win for Springboks. And look, the Australian team's never won in Pretoria, mm. so it's um, a tough place to go. Yes, they had uh, a number of players that were sent over early to New Zealand and a little bit of controversy, but um, look, we're not yet at the, the World Cup, so plenty for the Wallabies to work on. And no doubt this week's all about trying to limit those points. 43 against is uh, not great for them. Yeah, go boys. In the second in the second game, the ABs beat Argentina 41 points to 12 with Barrett and Rico Awani looking solid in the midfield and Chiefs winger Amoni Noroa scoring on debut. 
But ahead on Saturday, the All Blacks are at home at Mount Smart Stadium um, against a jacked South African side. Um, and the Wallabies take on Los Pumas Argentina on home soil in Western Sydney, also on Saturday. Now, as history records, out of the 38 games they've played against each other, Wallabies have won 28 and Los Pumas 7. So with um, three three being a draw. So you would hope this would be the Wallabies' Wallabies time to get a win. Home game for the Wallabies and a good record against Argentina. Hopefully they can uh, correct the, the ship and get the job done. Yes. Oh, and addition to the to the Wallaby squad, Ponef Masuli will join the squad as prop. And so he's hoping the boys get the win. Over to Rugby League now and Rod Massey Cup, round 16. The Silktails will be taken on the Ride Eastwood Hawks in what will be the Jackie Shannon Memorial Bowl. Uh, this is happening over in La Toca, so uh, good opportunity for the Silktails to um, celebrate the life of Jackie Shannon. Obviously, uh, a, a former staff member who unfortunately lost her life um, while working with the team last year. Uh, so um, well done for the Silktails for, for putting this game on. And yeah, Laltoka will be uh, rocking, no doubt, with lots of supporters out there and they can take down the right Eastwood Hawks. Yeah, Sugar City will be on fire. Now, NRL is round 20 and the games that I'm really looking forward to here, the Roosters versus the Storm. The Roosters have had a difficult year. The Storm, uh, thereabouts, is one of the best in the comp. They're up in the top four. Roosters are going to have to bounce back because they, they need to get a run going before the finals. They get a number of players back from Origin, that, um, and in particular their captain, James Tedesco, who had an had a unreal game through in Origin. Under all the pressure that he's been under, I'm expecting him to turn up really well for the Roosters this weekend. The other matches uh, that I'm looking forward to, the Warriors versus the Sharks. The Warriors have been probably the surprise packet of the competition. They've just snuck in and started playing some really good football under their coach, Andrew Webster, uh, a really good brand of footy. And the Sharks are obviously top four, been going really well the last couple of years under also a young coach in Craig Fitzgibbon. I think this is going to be the match of the round. So uh, I'm thinking the Warriors can can get the Sharks here. What do you reckon? Yeah, I'm I'm, go- I'm back in the Warriors. Warriors at home um, to beat the Sharks and the Dolphins taking on the Panthers. We all know the Dolphins are having a great year. They beat the Titans last week in a close one, a thriller um, in, in another Queensland derby. They take on the Panthers, top of the table Panthers um, on Sunday at home, so up up in Queensland, I'm uh, I'm expecting a Panthers win, even though they've got a number of players backing up from or- Origin, as do the Dolphins have some players. But um, I think the Panthers just can find that extra gear. Oh, I'm sticking with the Fins. Fins up. Fins up. Now, don't forget you can catch Andrew Moore and the Grandstand Rugby League team calling all the games on Radio Australia. Unfortunately, that brings us to the end of the show, but we'll be back same time, same place next week. And don't forget you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. More there. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.